podcast. I do this a couple of times a week. You can find these at iTunes, Heidi Harris Show. You can also catch my live radio show weekday morning, 6 to 9 a.m. on AM 670 KMZQ. If you forget all of that, just go to HeidiHarris.com. I've been noticing lately that all we're doing is fighting with each other and not really focusing on who the real enemy is. Women don't like men. Republicans don't like Democrats. Blacks don't like whites. Or so you would believe if you actually paid attention to what the media would like to do. Part of that is because the enemy wants to distract us, so we're not really paying attention from the spiritual perspective. My guest is Pastor Daryl Porter. I've had the privilege of getting to know him over the last year or so, and he's just a great man of God very clear on the issues and I always appreciate talking to him about this and just the other day I thought you know why are we all fighting with each other and meanwhile the enemy's prowling around like a roaring lion so I asked him to join me Pastor Daryl Porter welcome back to the Heidi Harris Show podcast well thank you Heidi I'm happy to be back I was so thrilled that you wanted to talk to me about this because I just the other day I was thinking about it and thinking how we're all so busy going after each other about the dumbest things and the real enemy is just laughing yes he is all the way. So talk a little bit about how the distractions of going after each other and not really paying attention to the genuine enemy are hurting all of us. Well, you know, it's an old, it's actually an old military tactic. You know, you distract the enemy, uh, you keep their mind off of anything and everything except what they should be focusing on. Um, and of course, when that happens, then the adversary is able to obtain uh, a stronger, uh, tactical strategic position to uh, defeat and overcome uh, their enemies. And, and Satan certainly uses that against the people of God, against the church. Uh, he's an old hand at it, and uh, he knows exactly what he's doing. And there's only one way that the Christian can, and I'm going to use the word that, that seems to rise up in me, and that is survive, but actually in Christ we do more than that. We actually get to live and have victory. But the only way that we can have that victory is if we do exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ tells us to do. He tells us to obey him, to follow his word, and literally he tells us to follow him. And when we do that, then we operate in his safety and protection, and we obtain victory uh, in whatever endeavor that, that we're engaged in that he's instructed us to do. He promises us that victory because he says, I will be with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, but the enemy, he, his whole objective is to destroy us. In fact, in St. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus revealed it this way. He says that the, the adversary comes only but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is his only objective. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. Yeah, that's and true. That's, that's true of any enemy, right? Because if they can divide you, they can conquer you, whether it's politically or, as you mentioned, militarily or spiritually. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's what's so it's important. A, it's, it's an old tactic. It works in, in every level, whether it's in the natural level or in the spiritual level. Um, it, it, it works. And all you have to do is just stand by and watch. Um, and when we're talking about politics, you're talking about some of the bizarre things that we're experiencing in our world and our nation today in this political arena. I mean, you and I, we've been around this world for a, a, a couple of years, you and I, and we've seen some things in the past. Now, I have never, ever, ever seen politicians uh, act the way I've, I'm seeing politicians act today. 
and how they treat one another and how they treat our president, you know, and the type of vitriol and the uncivil behavior. behavior. And, and, and everybody's being drawn into this, even intelligent people that you were surmised as, as intelligent people. Christians are being drawn into this, and we're becoming very, very hyper-partisan and uh, hyper this side or that side, this way or that way. Uh, there's strife on every level. There's strife between genders. There's strife the sexes. There's strife uh, in terms of political arena. Uh, which side are you on? Are you Democrat? Are you Republican? The one thing that no one's talking about is what is the truth? What is actually real? You know, when we look at the scripture, Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You don't get anywhere without me. Yeah, it's absolutely true. We're speaking with Pastor Daryl Porter. It's so true, and I know people who get up in the morning, and the first thing they'll put up on Facebook is some cartoon or something a relative of mine who's a big lefty who's a wonderful man and a believer but he's a lefty mm -hmm. and he put a picture the other day up of the g7 and it was angela merkel and a couple other world leaders and angela was pushing donald trump in a stroller okay <laughs> you know whatever you can laugh about that but i said yeah. to him i responded i said why don't you go take your dog for a walk you know, really, get out, smell the fresh air, exactly. <laughs> look at the flowers, <laughs> don't be so mean and so aggravated all the time at it. And what's scary to me, you expect unbelievers to be easily distracted, easily led, yeah. following the bouncing ball. But when it comes to believers, believers are supposed to understand that Donald Trump's not the issue, Obama wasn't the issue, the next president, if it's not Trump, will not be the issue, that Jesus is the issue. And Jesus never said, okay, you can't live the Christian life because we got Nero or Herod or whoever else right. in office. He never said that. It, the Christian no. life has never been about a politician. Can you expand on that, Pastor? Well, you know, Jesus made it very clear, just like I mentioned in St. John 14, 16, and, and in another uh, passage of Scripture, he talks about the fact that we should keep our eye single. And in the Greek, the, 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 the word that is used, at least in the King James Version that I, I use the most, is dealing, he's addressing the mind. He says, if your mind is single, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is evil, the eye of the mind is evil, and that whole concept of an evil eye comes out of the Old Testament when people would see, and I've met people, I've had friends of mine, Christian friends, uh, who have one normal eye, as you would call it, that if they were looking straight, that eye would look straight. But if that one eye is looking straight, then the other eye uh, looks off at an angle to it in a different direction. And so the Old Testament writers would call that an evil eye. And so in an analogy, Jesus is saying that your eye, the eye of the mind, even though in the natural we have two eyes, but when they're focused together, it becomes singular. And our mind should be singular. James talked about the, uh, people having a double mind. The Bible says that a, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And don't let him think he will receive anything from the Lord. So the Bible speaks clearly and specifically to the Christian to keep your eyes on him, they focused on him, Paul said in another place, but we see Jesus. Not all the issues of the world. We don't focus on all the issues of the world. In fact, the Bible exhorts us not to be caught up in all the things of the world, but to keep our eyes and our focus on Christ, what he has done for us, his hope, 
the promises that he has, has uh, made and sent and given to us and the fact of the orders or the commands or the things that he's instructed us to do. We're to keep our eyes on him. And then he says, if we do that, then our whole body is full of, it will be full of light. Now, if that's on an individual basis, there'll be light. If on a, on a group basis, if we all are agreeing and believing and trusting God together, it'll be on the basis of the entire church. If the church is focused on that, then, then there'll be light in the, in the body of Christ in the church. And if the nation is focused on that, there'll be light in the nation. Absolutely. So, but, if, but if the eye is evil and we've got all these viewpoints and tangents and all these different directions, then there'll be nothing but darkness. That's true. We're speaking with Pastor Daryl Porter. It's so important too, Pastor, because when you talk about uh, not focusing on the, you know, all the extremes in the world and all the, the things that are extraneous, basically, mm -hmm. you're talking about two other problems that people have in life. Now, you may have a problem with whoever's president or whoever it may be, but you may have other problems in your life. You may have financial problems, health problems, family problems, all of those things. And all of that goes into that big bucket of things that we're not supposed to allow to distract mm -hmm. us from God's walk, for our walk with God. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why the, the remedy for all of those examples, whether it's family, finance, and we all live in this world, and we do. We have, we have issues that we have to deal with. You know, uh, sometimes you wake up in the morning, you've got a headache or you're not feeling well. Something happens, you trip, you fall, you have an accident, you have children, you have parents, you have relatives, and sometimes you don't always get along. Someone hurts your feelings, they step on your toe, you lost your job. You know, they turned off the lights. You can't pay the rent or the mortgage. The car breaks down. All these, because we live in this natural fallen world, so these things do occur. But the Bible gives us a remedy and an answer and a solution to all those situations. And one of the remedies is real simple, is the ability and the authority and the right to come to God to ask for help. The Bible calls it prayer, asking. And then if we ask him, the Bible says he gives ear to his saints, those that call upon him in faith. And we have seen just enormous amount of success stories and, and testimonials of people who experience answered prayer in some of the most profound ways, you know, since uh, Christ rose from the dead, and even before that, throughout the Old Testament as well. But the Bible also says that the reason you have not never get is because you don't have it. <laughs> right. We spend most of our time complaining, and like you mentioned a moment ago, this gentleman coming showing this crazy cartoon, we, we get more jollies out of not mocking people and complaining and tearing some, you know, other people down than we do turning to the Lord and asking for wisdom, direction, help, mercy. If, if you are a Christian and you don't like the way Donald Trump talks or you don't like the way this person does this or this person does that, God gives us a way in which to address it. We're not to dress and do things the way that, that the Bible refers to as heathens and unbelievers. Heathens and unbelievers act and do things a certain way, and that's natural for them. That's the, what the Bible calls the natural man. But the person who is born of the Spirit of God has a supernatural ingredient in their soul. That's the Holy Spirit and his life and his ways. And so God gives us something different. And this is why, you know, when we do, we, we all see and face much of the same challenges. The only thing that's different is that those who do not possess the Spirit of God are going to respond and, and react a certain way. And, and for them, that's quite natural. Absolutely. But those who do 
mm -hmm. in Christ. That's so true. We're speaking with Pastor Daryl Porter, one of my favorite people. You know, Pastor, I've noticed recently some evangelical groups have come out and they've criticized Donald Trump about not wanting to give people who are illegal a bunch of free stuff. In other words, free housing, free this, free that. And mm -hmm. it, without dragging you into a political conversation, because once again, we're not talking politics. We're talking about the way things should be spiritually from a believer's point mm -hmm. of view. I don't see anywhere in the Bible, maybe I missed it, where Jesus tells government to take care of people he commands his followers to take care of people but he never tells you know nero herod anybody else you really need to be taking care of these poor people am i wrong well you know the bible says this and this this is directed toward the believer uh as far as the world is concerned you know it's almost all, like all bets are off they, they're likely to do anything you know, uh, but to the believer, the Bible says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we're, depend upon, we're, de we're to depend upon the Lord and, okay, is number one, and the, the, the Bible reveals that he teaches us and instructs us to work with our own hands. Now, if we go back in, in, in time to the very beginning of the Bible, the very first book of the Bible, the very first you know, a few chapters and verses of the Bible, when God made Adam in chapter 3, the Bible says God made Adam. Now, I want you to notice what it did not say. It did not say he parked him in the garden, let him kick his feet up, and he sat there and looked at the flowers all day long. <laughs> right. That is, not, that is not what it says. The Bible says God planted the garden, but Adam had to take care of it. That's right. And the Bible also says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat, which, of course, to me, you know, that's all about God knowing how lazy we are and how naturally we'll just <laughs> sit on our butt. I mean, I'd sleep in and not go to work if I didn't have to. I think we all would. But but that's the sad thing. I mean, there are people and Jesus talked about that the poor you're always going to have with you. We know that and we know we should yes. be kind to the poor. We understand mm -hmm. that we should treat them well. But once again, right. that's not something that government is supposed to ever do. And I don't understand why some of these evangelical groups kind of get off on the wrong, I don't know, wrong direction on this. Well, you know, the, a lot of the, the Christian leaders, you would expect them to have more knowledge. Now, I've been in the ministry for over 40 years, Heidi, and one of the things that has crushed my heart as I've traveled around the United States and other countries is, is the abundance of ignorance. Now, I don't, now, I don't consider myself hyper smart or super smart. I, I really don't. I, as a matter of fact, in many ways, I think that there are a lot of people a whole lot smarter than me. But I think that there, there are certain basic things that every born-again Christian should know, and certainly a lot more than those who get up in the pulpit and profess to be teachers and preachers. They should know, you know, they should know a lot more. And to see preachers and, and, and uh, leaders uh, promoting laziness or criticizing, you know, things that where, where someone like the President of the United States will say a mandate that you work if you come into our country or you have to do this you have to follow the law you have to abide by these certain things why would you get upset when that with that when that's all that the bible does from genesis to revelation right god lays he says if you if you hearken unto my words in deuteronomy 20 26 if you listen to me and do what I say, then all these blessings will come upon you. If you don't listen to me and you don't do what I say, he makes it very clear, then all these curses will, be, will come upon you. And when you read chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, verses 1 through 14 gives the benefits and the blessings of obedience. And then the rest of that 14, I believe, is the 68 or what it goes, it's almost three times as many scriptures, 
it talks about the curses, and it lays them out detail by detail. God is not about the business of making folks lazy. <laughs> Jesus was not lazy. Right. Jesus got up. He said, I work, and my father works. <laughs> Isn't that true? And and not only that, God knows us and God knows and everybody, even if you're not a believer, you should know that giving people everything and not expecting them to earn anything. I don't care if you give your 16 year old a new car or anything else. People don't appreciate anything. They don't have to make an effort to to uh, obtain. Well, we're, we're built by by the hand of God to to be to have to be fulfilled. I'll put it that way through the labor of our hands. And when you read many of the scriptures, it talks about the, the fulfillment that is received when you put your hands to work and you see the, the result, the fruitfulness of it. There's certain, there's certain pleasure, there's certain joy, there's a certain dignity, you know, and, and, and self-worth that comes out of this is what I produced, this is what I did. You know, and God made us that way, it gives us dignity. But when you, when you live your life all day long and doing nothing, then, then there is no inner dignity. There's nothing of, of, of value that you have within yourself, you know. And so that's why we have so many people who, can't, who don't like themselves. They're miserable with themselves. I was reading something the other day, Heidi, about uh, in England, young people. They're having a, a large number of young, of young people in England go, feel like life is meaningless. They don't know what they're here for. They, they, it has no meaning. And, and, and you know, and, and I'm sure it's not just germane to England, because I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's very prevalent here in the United States, where a lot of young people are so accustomed to living in, a, in an age where it's expected of them to have everything, because every time you turn on the television set, you see all these commercials that say you should have this and you should have that and you should have this and you should have that. And when they flip on the Internet and they get on using their iPhones or, or their phones and they're, they're getting those same, they're bombarded with those same messages. Social media, they're bombarded with those same messages. You should look like this. You should, you should dress like that. You should have this. You should have that. And so they're getting these messages all the time, nonstop. And, of course, when they, when they dare to rise up and look in the mirror and look at reality and, they re and, and, and dare to admit the fact, I don't have this, I don't have that, there must be something wrong with me. And if they had the spiritual perspective, then they would have the contentment, understanding that they have what God wants them to have, or they can get mm -hmm. out and work for it, and maybe they can earn some of these things. Absolutely. And you used an important word that I don't hear hardly at all. You just said it, contentment. And that is a New Testament word that the Bible teaches the church to be content in whatever state or condition you're in. In fact, the Bible even talks about poor folks, and it doesn't say, well, listen, when you're poor, now hurry up now and uh, believe me so you can get rich. No, the Bible says, I'm not, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily endorse remaining in poverty, but it doesn't, it doesn't debunk it either. It doesn't tear it down because in James it says, you know, he says, the poor, have I not called the poor who are rich in faith? That's right. That's right. They have a whole lot more. How many people do we hear about every day who are very, very wealthy, whose lives are a complete disaster? They don't have any spiritual perspective on anything. They don't have the Word of God in their souls. They don't have any kind of happiness. And I was reading something the other day where somebody was quoting a rich person, and I don't have the name in front of me, so I don't want to misquote. Uh, the rich person was asked, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. Well, I call that anxiety. I call that stress. I call that dissatisfaction. 
that everything in that, just a little bit more, when do you ever have peace? When do you ever settle? When are you ever enjoying the, the fruit of your labor and enjoying the things that you do have? When are you ever, ever appreciative and thankful? Yeah, you're See, not. That, that, that per, those kind of people are constantly driven. And a driven person who's constantly driven never takes a moment to relax, never takes a moment to take a nap like we talked about, never takes a moment to just settle down and be quiet and do what the Bible says, be still. Yeah, that's, that that's important, too, because a lot of people are. They're just so driven that they never relax, and they mm -hmm. constantly ask themselves, am I doing enough? And and I just put out a newsletter where I talked about this the other day, and I said, you're probably doing too much. You, you can't do yeah. everything, and you you can't look around you and see what everyone else is doing because there are people who are mm -hmm. they're doing this, they're doing that, they're doing this, they're doing mm -hmm. that, and they seem to be going 24 hours a day. And the thing I mentioned mm -hmm. in my newsletters, do you want their lives? Do you want their marriages? Do you want their relationships what? with their kids? I mean, a lot of these people, <laughs> if you look a little closer you won't like what you see absolutely you know and, and you you may you hit on a real good point because their, their lives their marriages their the children are suffering yep I feel so sorry you know for the children I, I can't I mean I can't even lift up my mental eyes to look at what these young people are going through because number one uh, coming up through childhood teenage years and all that is hard enough in the best of environments it is a challenge uh, for a youngster to come up and, and for a parent to parent a teenager because there's so many changes that are going on in that child's life, physical, hormonal, hormonal and, um, social, I mean, uh, intellectual. There's so many changes that are taking place. And, and when you live in an environment that is so hostile to young people, so unfriendly to them, put so many ungodly demands, unrealistically ungodly demands on these young people. It is amazing that any can, can manage through all this. When kids get to be teenagers, a lot of parents kind of check out a little bit. They're busy. They think their kids are okay because they can feed themselves mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff now. And it's actually worse in a lot of ways, as you know, because as you mentioned, the kids are taught from the time they leave the house, you're only cool if you wear this, drive this, eat this, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. And parents have to be home to be able to explain to their kids and kind of deprogram them at the end of the day, debrief them mm -hmm. as it were, and say, all right, does God care if you have a certain pair of jeans? Does God care if you have a certain pair of tennis shoes? And if you do what about the next pair and that is not mm -hmm. what God commands and parents really need to constantly instill that in their children and fight yeah. back the 24 hours a day of things being thrown at them it's almost like they're in a baseball you know those batting cages and all the baseballs yeah. are coming at them at once and they're trying to fight it off if you're not spiritually strong it's easy to get locked up in this thing and and get lost in it spiritually yeah it, it, it really is and you, you've drawn you've drawn the picture just very very clearly and it's sad that we're in that and, and in that state of you know in our society, and and the children are all hyper driven, and and here's the real sad part: their parents are hyper driven. Right. And when you've got hyper driven parents, then of course they're going to have hyper driven offspring. Yeah. And those hyper driven offspring, unless something happens to intervene, they're going to create produce hyper driven offspring. But their hyper-driven offspring are going to be worse conditioned than these young people are today. And that's my concern. We're seeing a devolution of, of society. You know, the liberals, you know, the, the, the wishful thinkers like to say that we are evolving. Evolving gives the implication that things are improving. No. 
things are going down and backwards. Absolutely. Devolution, devolving, you know, and so, and it, it, it's really, really distressing in many ways. The answer, in my mind, and, and as I see it in the scriptures, is for intercessors, prayer warriors, to stand on their, on their face before God night and day, get on their knees, pray, pray, pray. In fact, I would, I would wager to say in, in the age that we live in now, churches ought to be more focused on prayer and prayer groups than taking trips to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right about that, and they're they're so busy trying to keep people in there with the with the you know the band and the play and this and that and the other. Are they teaching yeah. solid truth? That's what people need. Truth. They don't need entertainment. They can find that on YouTube. Well, you know the entertainment is not producing saints. It's right. just not. You know if you if you were if you or I were to uh, decide that we want to go into the military and we want to be uh, accepted into a special forces. Uh, unit of any particular military branch that offers it, you know, there is no way that we would even be looked at. We'd be laughed, you know, out of there, you know, if we come in there with our flip-flops and sunglasses on and trying to look cool and all that stuff. No, if, if we're going to become the type of fighters that would be approved and accepted by any special forces unit, you're going to have to expect to go through a lot of rigorous, uncomfortable training, uh, you're not going to be able to go home every evening and sit down and flop your feet up and watch television. You're not going to go into training with your cell phone and, and checking your text messages every two minutes. You're not going to have all that stuff. If, you're, if you are serious about engaging in spiritual warfare, and I'm making a parallel now from the natural to the spirit, if you're serious about engaging in being a warrior for Christ, you have to be prepared to put aside the things of this world that are such a distraction that only weigh you down and do nothing to contribute uh, to your ability to have an impact uh, in, in, in the state of the affairs of our nation or, or of your family or of your community or even your own personal soul. You know, we, we, we are, um, if we look at the words of Jesus, I mean, sometimes I would challenge believers to just pay attention to what Jesus says. Stop treating it like it's a throwaway statement, which we tend to do. But look at it really seriously. When Jesus says, if you would be my disciple, pick up your cross and right. follow me. Absolutely. Now, take a moment to think about what that, what is he saying? You know, and we could, we could spend a whole uh, afternoon just talking about what he is saying. But it's not pretty. No, it's it not pretty. Not it was not an invitation to an evening dinner and, and a night out on the town. Right, and nobody was guaranteed anything, and that's part of it, too. A lot of people think yeah. it's going to be an easier life if you become once you become a believer, and it's not. But the reality is once you become a believer, you know, you are either going to be a casualty when it comes to spiritual mm -hmm. warfare, and that's what the enemy wants, or you're going to be in the fight, and you've got to stay in the fight. Right. Yeah, you, you know, if, if, if and, and notice he says, yeah, I mean, he's not going to force you to, to be a, a part of his army. But if this is what you say you want, then look at the look at the price it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you everything. Yeah. If that's what you, if that's what you want, and that's not the the message that we hear in our church today. I, when I was growing up and I was a young Christian, I heard this type of message frequently. This was the regular message. Now it's so irregular. With what, we're, what we're hearing today, you wonder where did this gospel, as Paul calls it, another gospel, where did this one come from? 
you know, but it's not that it cannot be corrected. All we have to do is get back to our first love, like the scripture says. If we get back to our first love, love the Lord, love his word like David said. He said, I love thy law. We're spending more time talking about, well, we're not under the law. I don't want to hear nothing else about the law. David said, I love thy law. Yep. Well, the law, is, if it's applied right, anything that God says is going to tend to life. It's going to, it's going to, 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 to strengthen us and elevate and build us up because that's what God is all about. He's about building a people, building a church, and he's not doing it with the popsicle sticks. <laughs> and he's not doing it worrying about whoever's in office. That, that's the thing that people get so distracted exactly. by. It's terrible. Pastor Daryl Porter, as always, what a privilege to talk to you. How can people reach you, my friend? Well, uh, they can, you know, feel free. I have a website on eaglewings.com. And okay. uh, they can go there and, um, you know, or send me an email at prayerline, P-R-A-Y-E-R-L-I-N-E, on eaglewings.com. Okay. And I, it's always a privilege to talk to you, and I appreciate the clarity because sometimes you hear all these things are going on. You're thinking, are you guys reading the same book I'm reading? <laughs> and I'm no biblical scholar. I will never say that I am. But I'm thinking, wait a minute. Some of the stuff is basic, you know, very, very basic. Thank you, Pastor Daryl. Appreciate it. We'll talk again. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you. I'm Heidi Harris. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter, Heidi Harris Show, Facebook, Heidi Harris Show, HeidiHarris.com. You can also subscribe to these podcasts for free at iTunes, Heidi Harris Show. And if you forget all that, just go to HeidiHarris.com, where you can also pick up copies of my books. My most recent is called Don't Pat Me on the Head, Blowback, Setbacks, and Comebacks in Vegas Radio. That's there at HeidiHarris.com. And don't forget about my daily live show in Las Vegas on AM670 KMZQ. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. <laughs>